Next on World Radio Gardening, we look at the role of beavers being reintroduced for natural flood management projects. Hello, I'm Oliver Rogers, and today I'm talking to Archie Ruckles Bryce, who is the owner of Spain's Hall Estate in Essex. And recently he's reintroduced a pair of beavers, they're called the Essex Beavers, into an enclosure on the land to help control flooding in the village of Finchingfield. Those beavers have recently had some kits, some baby beavers, and I got on to asking Archie about how the project came about and how it started. The farm, Spain's Hall Estate, sits above a little village called Finchingfield, which I'm sure many of your listeners are aware of. Very picturesque place with a wonderful village pond in the middle of it. Um, the issue for us in the village is that um, there are about 18 houses and properties and business properties that are at risk of flooding. So about every decade or so, there is uh, you know, very heavy rainfall events or continuous heavy rain, um, which leads the pond to flood up and out of, the, um, out of its channel. And that then goes over the roads and causes disruption in the whole of the sort of northwest Essex area, um, but also then can get into people's houses. So what we thought we'd try and do was rather than go at this from a traditional flood risk management perspective where you dig giant excavations and you pour loads and loads of concrete, which in a rural setting like ours isn't is either is it's not really appropriate, but also isn't possible because no one's going to pay us to do that. Um, we thought we'd try and work with nature. So we try and pick up a nature-based solution. And beavers are one of the most amazing ecosystem engineers. So they will go into an area, we put them within a fenced enclosure so they can't get out. They've got four hectares, so 10 acres to play with of woodland. And they then, we've given them free reign within that area to um, build their dams, create ponds, flood the area if they wish, um, create canals and generally create a wetland area which then soaks up the water coming down from higher upstream. So if you can imagine a big surge of water coming down into a big giant wetland area, it kind of disperses and slows down and then very slowly seeps out the bottom because beaver dams and beaver wetlands aren't as effective as um, human-made reservoirs you know for example there's always leaks and oozes and there's a constant flow of water so very slowly that water is then released and what we're trying to do with the project both with the beavers and with the man-made side of things as well um, is just slow the water down for long enough that it means that there isn't as much water at any one time in Finchingfield so what we're not trying to do is stop flooding completely because we couldn't that's just not possible so what we are trying to do is just reduce the amount of water that comes flooding down off the estate and off the farm to allow water that comes from the other side of the river catchment, which we don't control, that's not land that we farm, to go through the village and pass on down into Great Barfield and flow down the river. I think that the beavers have built about 20 dams, haven't they? That's right, yes. So um, they, when they first went in, they built about a dam a week. Um, it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, now they have been in over a year, coming up for 18 months, um, and we reckon there are probably 20 dams. But over the course of the last year, quite, they've joined quite a lot of their dams up. So where there were individual smaller dams, which may be only a metre, two metres wide, we now have sort of two or three dams that are getting on for about 20, 25 metres wide, but in a kind of wiggly line across the across the, the floodplain. So, you know, what they're doing here is creating a really complex landscape um, 
And in, in addition to holding water during times of flood, what we have found that they're doing during these very dry periods that we've had is that because they've created a water store which very slowly oozes away, they actually help with drought conditions as well. So they're supporting the flow in the river during dry periods as well as protecting um, the flow in the river during uh, rainfall events. And so these dams also have the effect of creating almost a, a pond behind each dam, don't they? So, so that's quite good for biodiversity. So that's another benefit from this project, would you say? That certainly seems to be what we're, we're seeing. I mean, beaver ponds um, are renowned for being amazing places for, for wildlife, for insects. Um, and we've certainly seen, even in the short time that they've been in existence on the farm, we've seen a lot of insect life starting to spring up in the, in the areas where there was water where there, they didn't used to be. And the things that then feed on that insect life. So, for example, our partners at the Essex Wildlife Trust have found um, water voles have moved in or certainly starting to explore the area. We've also seen things like water shrew, which are very, very hard to see normally. Um, and they come in and feed on the insects. We've got kingfishers exploring the area. We've got sparrow hawks that come in and try and feed on the water shrew and tawny owls that feed on the water shrew. So we're, you know, we're starting to see a really interesting new ecosystem develop within that area. And does it have benefits to the quality of the water? Because those dams will filter it to a certain extent, won't they? Absolutely right, yeah. I mean, we're, we're also, we're working with a load of researchers um, from sort of uh, water quality consultants, the water companies, um, King's College London, various other, you know, um, academics to try and identify, try and understand exactly what impact the dams might have on water quality. We certainly believe that the beaver wetlands trap sediment and sediment that comes down the river carries with it things like phosphate, it carries pesticides, it carries road runoff. Um, and if those things are settled out behind the dams, then the water coming down, um, coming through the dams and coming over the top will be without those things to a degree. So what we're trying to do is build up a, a picture of how, um, how effective are these dams and how does that change over time? Because we hope the beavers are going to be here for, for several years yet. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll start to see them develop. We should say the beavers on your estate are actually in an enclosure, but do you think in time they could become a familiar site along waterways across Essex and across the country, or certainly England, uh, like they perhaps once used to be back in the sort of the 16th century? Um, I mean, that's really up to the policymakers, um, which there are consultations and um, discussions going on at the moment. I mean, it's certainly not our intention to release the beavers from our enclosure. Um, the project needs them to be in an enclosed area in order to do the work that we need them to do in the area that we want them to work. Um, it is possible. I mean, other parts of the UK, there are beavers free living in the landscape. Um, there's quite a lot of questions to be answered as to how do you manage that? Because they are such effective engineers, you need to have in place a management scheme that if people have problems with them, so if they're, for example, flooding farmland or flooding houses or creating other issues, then you need to be able to, to, to remedy those issues, um, perhaps move the beavers on to other areas. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. I, I'll never say never, but at the moment, um, that's not part of our project plan at all. We'll be back with Archie in just a few moments. And if you're interested in learning more about the beavers, then you can visit the Spain's Hall Estate website, spainshallestate.co.uk.
My guest today is Archie Ruggles-Bryce from Spain's Hall Estate in Finchingfield, and he's telling us all about the Essex beavers and their new kits. They gnaw at trees, don't they? That's the thing that people will know about beavers with their big front teeth. Have you seen quite a lot of uh, tree stumps? I think there was a big tree, wasn't it? They had several attempts at going to try and fell. Yeah, I mean, we've certainly seen them take down um, two or three largest trees, so sort of ones that you would struggle to get your your um, your hands round. Um, you could probably hug. You know, they're not. We're not talking huge trees here. We've seen them take down a lot of little stuff as well, but most of what they've taken down is willow. So the thing with willow is that it actually it's one of those tree species that co-evolved with beavers. So when you cut a willow tree down, actually what you get is lots more stems. So you get a coppicing effect. So the beavers, are, we've definitely seen this. So we've seen the beavers take down, you know, maybe a, a, a stem that's sort of 10 centimetres in diameter. And then within weeks, we've got five or six new stems coming out of that one. So actually, um, we see, we're seeing quite an interesting kind of coppicing tool with that, which incidentally is something we try and do with chainsaws in our other woodlands. Um, and not not as effectively, I would argue. Um, so yeah, we've seen a few, but I mean, you wouldn't walk into our enclosure, which is mostly woodland, and think, "Crikey, there's been beavers in here. It looks like a wasteland." They just simply haven't taken down that many trees. Um, you, unless you knew what you were looking for, you would probably find it quite hard to find one. Because they are actually nocturnal creatures, aren't they, beavers? Uh, I think that the, the strict term for them is corpuscular. I can never say it, but anyway. Um, so it basically means they're most active at dawn and dusk. Um, so they will they will work all night, and they do, um, but they are actually most us, most active at, at dawn or dusk. And you've had Russell Savory, a wildlife filmmaker, filming the beavers, and people might have seen that on the television recently, the new kits. Just tell us a bit about why it's important to perhaps tell people about the beavers there. Well, it was always something that we wanted to do. You know, we we it's not a project that is really benefiting the estate as such in terms of the flood risk element to it. You know, we're, we're trying to do something to protect the neighbouring village, um, none of which is owned by the estate or managed by the estate. But equally, one of the other reasons why I wanted to do this was to try and give people somewhere that they could come to and a local example of this. Um, you know, what do beavers do? What are the sizes of the dams that they that they create? What is the flooding impact of that? You know, the land that they flood or the land that they protect, you know, what does this look like? And I, I'm somebody that enjoys, you know, visiting things and seeing things for myself. And there wasn't the opportunity to do that in East Anglia. The nearest beavers are down in Kent. Um, the nearest uh, project like this was actually in Cornwall at the time we set it up. So I was just very keen to give you know, try it out for myself. I had lots of questions as a, as a landowner in this area. I had lots of questions myself that I couldn't get answers to. You know, what does this look like in an East Anglian land, landscape? You know, can these things exist alongside the, you know, huge numbers of people we have in comparison to remote upland areas? So I just wanted to try some of these things out and, and see them for myself, really. And what's your conclusion? Are rewilding projects a good way forward for farming and farmers? Do you think they're going to play an important role in the future of farming? I think it's, they certainly could. Um, I think it's very important to get the right thing in the right place. Um, I wouldn't really class what we're doing as rewilding, um, mainly because it's in quite a small area. It's a fenced enclosure. You know, the principles of rewilding tend to be on a much grander scale. 
um, and probably without so much fencing. Um, but in terms of taking some of the other principles of rewilding, which is trying to let nature do the work for you, but also trying to kind of step back a little bit from an active management role and try and think differently about how we might solve some of the problems that have arisen through the way we choose to use our land, the amount of people we're trying to house at the moment, you know, the flood risk, the changing climate. I would certainly say that every single person who manages land or owns land or owns a property in East Anglia is going to face some form of issue which will be related to changing climate, um, water stress, um, access to the natural environment, whatever it is. And those of us who are lucky enough to, to live and work in the rural environment have a responsibility to try and understand that and to play our part. But then government has a responsibility to enable that. And the challenge will be how do you run a functional business business that is supporting its employees and making enough money to be viable whilst also stopping producing the things that at the moment are the only things that make it viable so things like cropping so what i think needs to happen is a, a complete shift and make it uh, that will enable people like me to make what i'm doing with the beavers and what other people are doing um, on a much grander scale with rewilding actually a viable business proposition because the moment you get that then actually you will start to see a huge amount of different ways of using land which will then be a, to everyone's benefit but also will still enable the rural economy to to function and and part and parcel of that is allowing people access to see these creatures like you were saying you 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 valued seeing the project up close and personal for yourself and you do run tours, don't you, to see the beavers? Absolutely. Uh, Pre-COVID, we, we, we had a very, very busy tour season last year. I mean, the, it's, it's worth saying that in order to protect the beavers and in order to protect the, um, the project in terms of the flood risk element to it, this is, we have decided not to make sort of general public access available to the beaver enclosure, mainly because we don't want to run the risk of them getting out. Um, but we do run, or we did run, pre-booked tours. Um, we still run pre-booked wildlife photography visits. So we can do one-to-one -one visits at the moment. And then when the restrictions um, for COVID um, change or when we, we think we can start running group tours again, we certainly will, because that was something that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed taking groups of people from all sectors of society with all backgrounds around and, you know, listening to the questions they are, ask and discussing some of the issues with them and you know we've got some really good ideas from from the group tours and from the local people you know why aren't you doing this well could you do that have you thought about doing this you know oh that's really interesting well i i work in this area have you thought about linking to these people you know really fantastic so we had over 400 people come around last year um which was amazing for the first year of a project and if people want to sort of see about that they can go on your website can't they spain's whole website yeah, so visit our, our, our website, spaintallestate.co.uk. As I say, the only thing we've currently got available are the, the pre-booked wildlife photography visits. That's where Russell Savory um, will show you into the enclosure. You'll sit in a hide, you bring your own photography equipment, and you get really up close and personal to the beavers. Um, as I say, we really are hoping that we'll be able to re reopen the kind of group tours, which is a, a, a sort of slightly more accessible 
way of seeing the beavers for, for the majority of people, or seeing a beaver enclosure anyway. Um, but yeah, we, we, we would welcome the photographers first and we'll hopefully everyone else can follow. But getting up early or staying late is the best time to, to go, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. Dawn or dusk. At, at the moment, the, the photography sessions in the morning, you've got to be prepared to be on site at 4am. So it's not for the faint-hearted, uh, but it, trust me, it is worth it. Archie Ruggles-Bryce there, talking about the beavers on the Spain's Hall Estate near Finchingfield in Essex. And if you want to learn more, then you can go on the spainshallestate.co.uk website. Mm -hmm.